What is up, everybody? It's JT Sports. I'm back to you guys with episode 9 of the JT Sports Podcast. And on this episode of the JT Sports Podcast, I'm basically going to be giving you guys my NFL division predictions for every single division. Now, I know a couple of weeks ago, I did NFL division preview and predictions, but in this episode, I'm just going to be focusing strictly on the teams that I think are going to win their respective divisions. In the previous episode, when I did a preview and prediction for every single division, I basically just previewed every team in the division and then gave my winner at the end. But now, I'm just going to be focusing strictly on the team who will win their respective divisions this season so make sure that if you guys are listening to this on apple podcast or spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast that you go ahead and leave a five-star review also make sure to go ahead and follow my social media pages my instagram and my twitter is both jt sports underscore and also make sure to go ahead and subscribe to my youtube channel which is jt sports on youtube The first division that I'm going to start out with is the NFC West. I believe that the San Francisco 49ers are going to once again win the NFC West for the second straight year in a row. And a lot of people think that Seattle is going to win because they picked up Jamal Adams. But I mean... Although Jamal Adams is going to improve their defense, they still have a big flaw, which is their lack of a pass rush. And they were one of the worst teams last season at getting pressure on the quarterback. And also the offensive line still isn't all that great in my opinion. But the 49ers, on the other hand, they're the complete opposite. Not only do they have a complete team, but they're also really good. And the trenches, they're really good on the offensive line, and they're really good on the defensive line as well. Now, some people say that the 49ers lost a lot of talent. I mean, they lost a few players, but they replaced those guys. Like, they traded DeForest Buckner to the Indianapolis Colts. So you get rid of DeForest Buckner, then you bring in Javon Kinlaw, who basically a lot of people say is Javon. Javon Kinlaw is basically DeForest Buckner 2.0. So you bring in Javon Kinlaw. Then you still have Nick Bosa, you still have D4, you still have Arik Armstead, you still have a very good group of linebackers, Quan Alexander, Fred Warner, you still got Richard Sherman and the at the cornerback position. So I mean, look, this 49ers defense is still going to be one of the best defenses in the NFL, and they're still going to be really good at getting pressure on the quarterback. Now, offensively, I think that they probably will be a top 12 or a top 10 offense. I think a lot of people give this 49ers offense some unnecessary hate because of Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, a lot of people keep saying that Jimmy Garoppolo is not a good quarterback. Like, he's average and things like that. And here's my argument with that. Think about what the 49ers were before Jimmy Garoppolo arrived in San Francisco. They weren't really great. Then Jimmy Garoppolo comes in, and they close out his first five games, starting as a 49er, undefeated. Or, yeah, I think they went undefeated, or they only lost one game, or something crazy like that. Then Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt. They're not good. Then I find it ironic how Jimmy Garoppolo comes back from a season to end an injury the season prior, and takes us to the Super Bowl. So think about that. When Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't playing, they had a top-five draft pick. But then he comes back, and they go from one of the worst teams in the NFL to the Super Bowl. And you guys can say what you want to say about Jimmy Garoppolo having to not really do a lot because of how good the San Francisco 49ers ground game is. But, I mean, look, Jimmy Garoppolo had some really good games last season. Like, nobody talks about his performance against the New Orleans Saints. Like, it seems like every time Jimmy Garoppolo has a great game, people just seem to, you know, just look at it and be like, and he had a great game, but when he has a bad game, all oh, people just want to talk about, like, people talk about the Super Bowl, like, Jimmy Garoppolo played a really good Super Bowl for the first three quarters, he just couldn't make the big plays when it mattered the most with the game on the line in the fourth quarter, he missed some very big throws and missed some wide open wide receivers, but Patrick Mahomes, on the other hand, he made those big plays when it mattered, he started out slow, but he was able to finish the race. 
And that's what separates Patrick Mahomes from Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, listen, Jimmy Garoppolo, I still feel, is a good quarterback. I still think that he is the franchise quarterback for the 49ers, and the 49ers can win the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo at the helm at quarterback. So I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is holding back the 49ers. I'm so tired of seeing these headlines and all these different articles about how Jimmy Garoppolo is holding back the San Francisco 49ers. Like, last year was really Jimmy Garoppolo's first season as a full 16 game start like last year was the first time in his career he was a starter for a full 16 game season so he's still learning he's still improving he still has a lot that he needs to work on and it's not too late for him like he can still improve he can still develop like a lot of people already have this close narrative on Jimmy Garoppolo like he's basically reached his ceiling like Jimmy Garoppolo has potential to be a top 10 quarterback in the NFL and the 49ers believe in him that's why they gave him that big long-term contract extension so I mean the fact that people keep saying that Jimmy Garoppolo is holding back the 49ers makes no sense to me then you look at the off the line so you lost Joe Staley to retirement so who do you bring in to replace him you bring in Trent Williams in the trade with the Washington football team. So, I mean, this 49ers off the line is still going to be good. This is a 49ers team that should win this division because, listen, when you look at Seattle, look, Seattle's going to be competitive. They're going to be able to compete for this division. Seattle still has a very good chance to win this division. But, I mean, I like the 49ers' chances over Seattle's chances because of how complete they are. Seattle is really good at every position on their team besides in the trenches they don't have a dominant one-on-one pass rusher which is really important if you want to be able to win in the NFL you got to be able to get pressure on the quarterback then they also don't really have all that great of an offensive line now look it's all good and dandy if they bring you know you bring in Jamal Adams and things like that but listen they still have a lot of flaws on their team when you look at the 49ers name me one position on the 49ers that is just a big significant hole like it's just a gaping hole you can't really name one the 49ers have the most complete team in this division they also have one of the best coaching staffs in the NFL you got Kyle Shanahan one of the best play callers in the NFL you got Robert Sala who this most likely is going to be his last year as the defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers because after this season is up he's most likely going to end up being the NFL head coach So this is a 49ers team that I believe should be able to repeat and win the NFC West once again. Like, I know a lot of people like to throw in Seattle, especially with the fact that they brought in Jamal Adams. But listen, Jamal Adams, is he going to improve that defense? Yes. But they still aren't really good at rushing the quarterback. They still aren't really good at protecting Russell Wilson. So look, I don't really think Seattle is going to win this division once again over the 49ers then a lot of people want to talk about how the 49ers are going to have a Super Bowl hangover listen the Super Bowl hangover is real but I think the 49ers have a good coaching staff and have a good enough roster that they're going to be able to overcome that Super Bowl hangover like the wide receiver position like Brandon Ayuk I think is most likely going to end up being one of the best rookie wide receivers this upcoming season they trade up to get this guy I really like Brandon Ayuk I feel he was really overrated I feel he was really under Underrated. I almost said over it. I meant to say underrated coming out of Arizona State. Then you're also going to have Jalen Hurd. You also got George Kittle. Then they just picked up Jordan Reed. So, I mean, look, you got Jordan Reed and George Kittle. Like, if Jordan Reed can stay healthy for just at least 12 games, that's going to be a very good one-two punch and a very good tight end combination. Jordan Reed, when he's healthy and he's on the field, and he's not, you know, getting taken out of the game due to concussions and things like that. Jordan Reed is one of the five best tight ends, top 10 best tight ends in the NFL. But the reason why we haven't been able to see that is because he's not able to stay healthy. So look, the 49ers are going to win the NFC West. And, you know, a lot of people are going to say you're sleeping on Seattle like always. I'm not sleeping on Seattle. Seattle is one of those teams that... They address every position besides the ones that needs to be addressed the most. And the positions that need to be addressed the most is the offensive line and the defensive line. The defensive line is not really good at getting pressure on the quarterback. I think Seattle only had 28 total sacks last season, which was amongst the worst and bottom in the NFL last season. So, I mean, look, 
The 49ers are the most complete team in the division. They have really good coaching staff. They're really good on both sides of the football. And a lot of people, like, everybody's just so intrigued about what people have at the skill position. Who's playing quarterback? Who's playing wide receiver? Who's playing cornerback? But a lot of people need to understand that football is still a game that is won and lost in the trenches. The teams that make it far in the playoffs are the teams that have the best coaching staffs and the best offensive lines, and the best defensive lines. That's why the 49ers were so dominant this season. Every team that made it to the conference championship game, they all had very good offensive lines, like the Green Bay Packers, the 49ers, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Tennessee Titans. So I think that the 49ers, with how good they are up front, having so much depth on their team, still having basically the same team they had last season, I think they were probably going to end up winning this division once again. I think Seattle could get them a run for their money. I'm not really all that sold on the L.A. Rams this year. I think the Rams are just too much of a mystery. Then Arizona. Arizona could be a playoff team, but still, it's still a lot to be determined about the Arizona Cardinals. So, I have the 49ers winning the NFC West. That's my final prediction. You guys let me know, because I know a lot of you guys are going to be a little bit, you know, upset, and that's expected. You know, when I'm doing these kind of videos, I'm not really going to be that upset about that. I know a lot of people are going to have their different opinions and things like that, but I do think with the 49ers being as a complete team as they are, they should be able to win this division pretty handily. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I believe, are going to win the NFC South. And for some reason, people keep saying that the Buccaneers are overrated. And it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. People keep saying that Tom Brady isn't enough to get the Buccaneers to the playoffs. And they won't even come close to winning the NFC South over the Saints. And that logic just really confuses me. Because here's why. You have a quarterback in Jameis Winston. And I love Jameis Winston. If you are a subscriber to the channel and have been listening to me, for over the last two years, you would know that Jameis Winston not only is my favorite NFL player, but he is my favorite NFL player of all time. I have two Jameis Winston jerseys in my closet, but he turned the ball over at Orlando. He had over 30 total turnovers last season. And if you mean to tell me that Tom Brady isn't going to be an upgrade over a guy who turned the ball over 30 times in one season then I don't really know what to tell you because here's why. Tom Brady at the helm at quarterback not only just improves the offense, but he improves the defense. You want to know why? Because how many times did we see Tampa Bay's defense get a big stop and then 20 seconds later they were back on the field because Jameis Winston turned the ball over through an interception? So if you mean to tell me that Tom Brady isn't an upgrade over Jameis Winston, then... I mean, I just, I just don't really know what to tell you. I don't really, I can't really argue with that kind of thinking because, like, Tom Brady, not only is he one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, but he's one of the smartest quarterbacks of all time. And a big reason why Tampa Bay didn't make to the playoffs last year was because Jameis Winston turned the football over. Now, I know a lot of people are going to make the argument and say that Jameis Winston didn't have a running game, he didn't have a good offensive line, and those arguments, I believe, are true. But at the end of the day, there is no excuse for throwing 30 interceptions in one season and turning the football over the way Jameis Winston turned the football over. I don't care if you have a bad offensive line and no run game. That is inexcusable. Inexcusable. It's no reason, no logic to clean up those 30 interceptions. Now, I know that his wide receivers had a couple of tip passes that got picked off and things like that, but still... Jameis Winston still was turning the football over at an alarming rate. So now you bring in a quarterback like a Tom Brady, who you don't have to worry about all those turnovers. You got a quarterback who's smart with the football. He's going to improve the offense. And he's also going to help out the defense because now the defense doesn't have to, you know, worry about getting the stop and then immediately coming back on the field two plays later because of a turnover on offense. Then you got to look at this defense. I believe that the Buccaneers are going to have a top 10 defense. You got two taunted corners and Carlton Davis and Jamal Dean, who both of these guys are going to have breakout seasons. A lot of both of those guys really 
could have been Pro Bowlers last year, but the reason why they didn't make the Pro Bowl was because they weren't able to get their hands on a lot of tip passes. Like, they were knocking the ball down and things like that, but they weren't coming down with those interceptions. Well, this season, I think Jamal Demon Carlton Davis are going to be one of the best cornerback duos by the end of this 2020 NFL season. Then you have Shaq Barrett, and you also have JPP, who JPP is a guy who a lot of people are really sleeping on. Although he's getting a little bit up there in age, he's still a guy who can produce and give you like a nine or 10 sack season. Then you got Vita Vea. So, I mean, you got a lot of talent on that defensive line. That defensive line is really good against the run. And you also got two very good pass rushers coming off the edge. Then you got Devin White, who was one of the best rookie linebackers last season. For some reason, some people will say that Devin White sucks because he had a low pro football focus grade. And that really doesn't make a lot of sense to me. That's why you really can't go off pro football focus because their grading system is really weird to me. Because when I saw Devin White, I saw a guy who was way better than that 50 whatever grade he got by pro football focus I saw a guy that was constantly making plays constantly making plays not only in stopping the run but also making plays in the passing game so it really does the fact that he was graded so low by pro football focus that doesn't really make a lot of sense to me then you got Levante David Levante David really immersed as one of the five best linebackers in the NFL last season I'm not finna debate anybody about that that's my opinion and I'm staying strong with that opinion Levante David's a top five linebacker in the NFL and I'm not debating anybody about that. Then you improve the safety position. You bring in Antoine Winterfield, who I believe was the best safety coming out of the 2020 draft class. He should have went in the first round, but the reason why he did not go in the first round was because he was undersized. But his father, Antoine Winterfield, played for the Minnesota Vikings a decade ago. He was a former Pro Bowler during his time with the Minnesota Vikings. So, I mean, this is a guy, Antoine Winterfield, who I think is going to end up being a finalist for a defensive rookie year. He has good instincts. He's a solid tackler. And this guy's an absolute ball hog. I believe that when it's all said and done, he's going to be one of the best players from this 2020 NFL draft class. Then you got to look at the offense. So you improve the offensive line. You bring in Tristan Roofs. That is going to be a drastic upgrade because Tampa Bay... Not only did you have to deal with Jameis Winston turning the football over, but the offensive line didn't do him no favors because he didn't have all that much time to throw. Like, I think he had one of the lowest um, drop-back time-to-pass ratios in the NFL, something like that. Like, he didn't really have a lot of time to sit back there and survey the field. So, you improve the offensive line. You bring in Tristan Roofs. Now, we already know about how good this wide receiver position is. You got... Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, that is debatably the best one-two punch at the wide receiver position. Now, a lot of people can make the argument and say that Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, but I mean, look, you can make the debate and say that Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham are the best wide receiver duo in the NFL, but you can also make the argument and say that Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are the best wide receiver duo in the NFL. And also a wide receiver that a lot of people aren't talking about with the Tim Bay Buccaneers team is rookie Tyler Johnson out of Minnesota. I think Tyler Johnson could be another good third option in this passing game if the Buccaneers do choose to run some three wide receiver sets and put um, Tyler Johnson in the slot, I think he could be a really good target as well. Don't sleep on Tyler Johnson. Then you also got the best tight end position in all of the NFL. You got Cameron Bray, you got OJ Howard, and you got Rock Antowski. Now, one thing that I want to see out of this Buccaneers offense, I want to see them line out OJ Howard a lot more because like OJ Howard is like a really he has the potential to be really good like he had like a pro bowl caliber season a few years back but he got derailed due to an injury but oj howard i feel like tampa bay should line him out wide a little bit more than what they did last season like he is a matchup nightmare like he's too big for safeties to cover and he's too fast for a linebacker to cover so line this man out more out wide but when you look at the nfc south in general like the Tampa Bay buccaneers are just the better team all around like no team in this division has the talent that Tampa bay has now Give it, New Orleans is really talented, and the Atlanta Falcons are also really talented, but we don't know about the Atlanta Falcons defense, and we don't really know about their coaching staff. Like, their coaching situation is a little bit shaky. Then the offensive line was a little bit rough last year as well. Then you got to talk about the New Orleans Saints. The New Orleans Saints, like, they're still going to be good, but at the end of the day, this is a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that is far superior than every team in this division besides the New Orleans Saints. The New Orleans Saints are pretty up there, but the Atlanta Falcons... 
and don't really know. So, I mean, for the, the fact that people think that Tampa Bay is not going to win the division, it's really weird to me. Like, I don't know if people are Tom Brady haters or people just haven't been watching football for the last couple of seasons or in watching Tampa Bay play. I don't know if a lot of you guys watched what Tampa Bay did last season because, look, Jameis Winston really costed the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a couple of games. And this is coming from a Jameis Winston fan. I am a dog heart Jameis Winston fan. I just said earlier that I have two Jameis Winston jerseys in my closet. But that doesn't excuse the fact that he was a pretty big reason why the Buccaneers didn't make it to the playoffs last year. Now, given the offensive line wasn't all that great and the running game wasn't all that great, and that leads to my next one. I think Tampa Bay is going to be a lot better running the football this season than what they have been in the past. Now, they're still high on Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones has just been announced RB1 by Bruce Arians. So, I'm really interested to see how they get Ronald Jones involved. And, I mean, like, I think Ronald Jones needs a little bit more touches than what he got last season. Like, I think they need to make him the focal point of the offense. You also bring in LaShawn McCoy as well. Then you also got Keyshawn Vaughn. So, I mean, this is a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that is the most talented team in this division. They have a good coaching staff. I like their defensive coordinator. I really like offensive coordinator Byron Left, which I'm really interested to see what him and Tom Brady are going to do this season, what they're going to cook up. So, I mean, I'm going with Tampa Bay to win the division. Now, I know a lot of people are probably going to say the Saints, JT, the Saints. But, I mean, it's weird. Like, a lot of people keep saying the Buccaneers are unproven. How the hell are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers unproven? Tom Brady is a six-time Super Bowl freaking champion. Like, how are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers unfreaking proven? Like, Bruce Arians is the quarterback whisperer for crying out loud. He's where Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, Ben Roethlisberger. So, like, how the hell are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers unproven? Like, why do people say that? Like, they're unproven. They haven't proven anything, JT. What? Tom Brady is a six-time Super Bowl champion. What do you mean he's unproven? He's won the Super Bowl six freaking times. More than any quarterback in NFL history. How how is he unproven? I, I I don't really know what people are talking about this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team, man. Like it seems like people are just trying to hate on Tampa Bay just because they just don't want Tampa Bay to win the division. Like people have a hard time accepting the fact that not every bad team is going to be bad for the rest of NFL existence. Like bad teams can improve too and become good teams. Average teams can become great teams. So I mean, not every team. Is going to be the same. A team that might have been great last season may be bad this season. The NFL is constantly changing. We got to get out of this mindset that bad teams are going to forever be bad teams and good teams are going to forever be good teams. Every team can have, you know, a different season. Every NFL season is different. So let's get out of this narrative that Tampa Bay is going to suck this season and that they're overrated just because they've been bad for like the past decade or so. It's a new season. This is a really good team. A lot of people keep overthinking this Tom Brady thing, man. Like, it's not that hard. Even if he does decline, he's not going to decline to the fact that he's, you know, you just can't start him. He's still going to be serviceable. So, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'm taking Tampa Bay to win the NFC South. I, I'm not really going to debate anybody in the comment section there. Like, I'm taking Tampa Bay to win the AFC South. I, NFC South, excuse me. I don't know how they're unproven. That doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. So when I did my NFC North preview and prediction, and I chose the Green Bay Packers to win the NFC North again, a lot of people got mad and said that I'm just like the rest of the national media. I'm overrating Green Bay, and Green Bay lost a lot of talent, and I'm just overrating them. And it's mostly Lions fans who say this because Lions fans have like the thing and the mindset that the media the national media is against them and things like that and nobody is giving them a shot and here's the thing if you are a franchise who doesn't really have a lot of success and you don't really win a lot of games of course people are going to be hesitant to say that you're going to you know win your division but I'm not a guy who has any kind of bias I do this I'm biased. Like, I don't have no hate towards any team. So, I mean, the fact that people keep saying, like, I just don't like the Lions and I'm just, you know, a Green Bay Packer lover, like, that doesn't make no sense to me. Like, if I feel a team is going to be good, a team is going to be good. I'm going to put some respect on your name, but if I feel like you're not going to be all that great, then you're just simply not going to be all that great. Like, I don't have no kind of vendetta against any team in the NFL. 
So, I mean, the fact that people always say, like, you're overrating the Packers, you're sleeping on the Lions, like, no, I'm not. Like, if I don't feel the Lions are going to win the division, I just don't feel the Lions are going to win the division. Like, it's no hate. That's just my opinion. And I think the Lions do have a pretty fair chance to win this division. If it was a team that I had to choose to win the NFC North, other than the Green Bay Packers, it would be the Detroit Lions. But all in all, I'm still going with the Green Bay Packers to win the division because I don't trust Matt Patricia as the head coach for the Detroit Lions. Now, when you look at Green Bay, Green Bay hasn't really lost that much. Their biggest loss was losing off the tackle Brian Bulaga, who signed with the LA Chargers. That was it. Now, he was pretty solid. But he was really inconsistent last year. His play was a little bit up and down, in my opinion. So you lose Brian Bulaga, then you lose Blake Martinez. A lot of people who who just look at who Green Bay lost keep saying that Blake Martinez is going to be an instrumental loss to that Green Bay Packers defense. No, it's, no he's not. Green... Green Bay picked up Christian Kirksey to replace Blake Martinez. If Christian Kirksey is able to stay healthy and he plays every single game this upcoming season, he's going to be a pro bowler. He's going to be an upgrade from Blake Martinez because, look, Blake Martinez, if if we were still living in the 80s and football was still being played in the 80s, 90s, and the early 2000s, Blake Martinez would be one of the best middle linebackers in the NFL. But as of right now, he's only an average linebacker in the NFL because he's only good against the run. He's not good against the pass. And in this day and age of the NFL, with all these fast tight ends coming into the NFL, you got to have a middle linebacker that's able to cover and pass covers. Being good against the run doesn't get you deadly squat in this day and age of the NFL. If you're not good against stopping the run and you can't and you can't cover, then you know you're pretty much SOL because you got to be able to do both of those things at a pretty high level. Now, Blake Martinez, is he a lead at stopping the run? Yes, he is. He is a good throwback traditional linebacker. But in this day and age of the NFL, Blake Martinez going to the New York Giants and free agency isn't going to be that big of a loss for the Green Bay Packers because Christian Kirksey is a better linebacker than Blake Martinez. Not only is he a really good solid, not only is he a really good tackler and really good against the run, but he's also really good in pass coverage. The only thing with Christian Kirksey is that can he stay healthy? If he stays healthy, he's an upgrade from Blake Martinez. Like a lot of people like a lot of people keep saying, oh JT, they lost Blake Martinez. Blake Martinez is okay, but he can't cover. He can't cover this day and age in the NFL. Ask a team which one they would they prefer. Would they prefer a linebacker that can stop the pass and isn't great against the run? Or would they rather prefer a linebacker that's great against the run but can't cover? I think they would rather prefer the linebacker that can stop the pass and isn't good against the run than getting that linebacker that you know is great against the run but can't cover. Because in this day and age of the NFL, it is a passing league. People say this all the time. And if you want to be able to win, you got to be able to stop the pass. So, I mean, Blake Martinez isn't that big of a loss as people make it out to be. They, uh, they pretty much upgraded from Blake Martinez when you bring in Christian Kirksey. So, then you look at a defense that you can make the debate and say that this is the best defense in the division. It's either between the Bears or the Packers. You can make the argument for either one. I'm just going to say that they're tied. It's 1A and 1B. I really like Green Bay's defense, and I really like Chicago's defense. But when you look at Green Bay, you also got to look at what they're able to do in the secondary. Okay, you got Jair Alexander, who Jair Alexander is becoming one of the best young corners in the NFL. He could be a top 10 cornerback or a top 5 cornerback by the end of this upcoming season. That's just how good he is. They're also really good when it comes to, you know, getting after the quarterback. You got the two Smith brothers. Well, they're not the well, they're not biologically brothers, but you might as well call them brothers because they both had the same last name and they were really good and they really improved that Green Bay Packers defense because prior to last season, Green Bay's defense wasn't really all that great at getting constant and consistent pressure on the quarterback. So them having a really solid pass rush was a big reason for their defense improvement and also how good they are in the secondary. Then you got to look at the offense. Now, a lot of people are making a big deal because Green Bay didn't go out and get more weapons for Aaron Rodgers. Like, the Green Bay, like, you don't have to have a lead group of wide receivers to win a Super Bowl. And the Green Bay Packers can go to the NFC Championship with 
the group of wide receivers they had last season, I'm pretty sure they can do the same thing again. Like, the Carolina Panthers went to the Super Bowl in 2015 with their best wide receiver being Ted Ginn Jr. You don't got to have an elite group of wide receivers to win a Super Bowl. Out of the last 10 Super Bowl winners of this past decade, I believe only one has had, like, a phenomenal supporting cast of wide receivers, and that was the Kansas City Chiefs. You had Sammy Watkins, Tyreek Hill, Demarcus Robinson. You had a lot of playmakers in the wide receiver position, but other than the Kansas City Chiefs, a lot of teams that have won Super Bowl in the past haven't really had an elite group of wide receivers. But you do got to have a good offensive line, which I believe Green Bay still has, although they did lose Brian Bulaga. Still believe the offensive line is pretty good, and they run the football really well. Green Bay is a running football team. That is their identity. That is what Matt LaFleur wants to do. He wants to run the football. And for the fact that Green Bay Packers fans keep saying that they don't have no receivers, what about Devontae Adams? Isn't Devontae Adams one of the top three or top five best wide receivers in the NFL? Didn't he make the Pro Bowl last season? I mean, like, the fact that Packers fans say they have no wide receivers doesn't make no sense to me because you got Devontae Adams. Now you just need a number two wide receiver like an Alan Lazard to step up. But, I mean, you don't got to have a lead group of wide receivers to make it to the playoffs and to win the Super Bowl. So I think Green Bay Packers fans are just overreacting to the wide receiver position. I think they're going to be just fine. I think they should be able to win this division. And, I mean, the only team that I really think is going to push Green Bay is going to be the Detroit Lions. But, I mean, even then, I have a question mark about them because they have the talent. It's just a matter of the fact that can the coaching staff come together and get this Detroit Lions team playing up to the level that they should play with the talent that they have on their roster. Then you got Minnesota. Minnesota lost a lot. I don't really know how I feel about Minnesota this season. Then you got Chicago Bears. I'm not really all that sold on Chicago. Like, I don't really trust the offensive line. So, I mean, all in all, Green Bay is still my favorite to win this division. Green Bay has a really solid roster on offense, and they're really good running the football. You got A.J. Dillon. You still got Jamal Williams. You got Aaron Jones. So, I mean, look, Green Bay is still going to be the same team they were last season. Smash mouth, run the football, throw the ball off Aaron Rodgers when need be. So I'm not really tripping on the fact that they don't have, you know, the greatest group of wide receivers. A lot of people, a lot of Vikings fans, a lot of Bears fans, a lot of Lions fans keep saying the Packers don't have a lot of weapons to work with on offense. That's why they want to win the division. Like, you don't got to have a lead group of wide receivers to win the division or make it to the Super Bowl or win in the playoffs. You just got to have a good off the line and a capable quarterback. So the narrative that people say that the Green Bay Packers aren't going to win the division because they don't have enough talent on offense to work with, that's false. You got Aaron Jones, you got Devontae Adams, you got Aaron Rodgers, and you got a pretty solid offensive line. That's all you need. Green Bay is going to win this division. I'm, I am I am pretty 90, I'm 90% sure that Green Bay will once again win the NFC North. And if there was another team that had to choose to win this division other than Green Bay, it probably would be the Detroit Lions with the talent that they have. So I'm choosing Green Bay to win the division. For the last division in the NFC, I am going to be taking the Philadelphia Eagles to win the NFC East. And the Philadelphia Eagles, in my opinion, not only are they the most talented team in this division, but overall, they're one of the top five most talented teams in the whole entire NFL. I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles have a really stacked roster top to bottom of both sides of the football. On the defense side of football, what was the Philadelphia Eagles' biggest weakness that has played the Philadelphia Eagles' defense for like the last three seasons? It has been the cornerback position, the secondary. So what did they do to improve that? Oh, you bring in Darius Slay, who is a top 10 cornerback, one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. You bring him in. Then you still have a really good defensive line. You're still really good up front. Then the linebacker position is pretty much the biggest question mark that the Philadelphia Eagles have. But you improve the defense. You improve the secondary. So the defense is going to be really good. But then on the offensive side of the football, you get depth. Like the Philadelphia Eagles last season 
had to basically get carried. Carson Wentz had to put the Philadelphia Eagles on his back and carry the Philadelphia Eagles to the playoffs, which is why I consider Carson Wentz a top 10 quarter, a quarterback. Like, a lot of people don't want to give Carson Wentz the respect he deserves because a lot of people say that he's too injury prone and things like that. But when you go back and you watch what Carson Wentz did last season, not a lot of the quarterbacks could have did what Carson Wentz did last year. He had a bang up off the line. He had guys off the street playing wide receiver. His best wide receiver was Greg Ward Jr., Greg Ward Jr., who was playing in the AAF last season that the AAF doesn't even exist no more. That's who their best wide receiver was heading into that wild card game against the Seattle Seahawks. So put some respect on Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, in my opinion, is a top five quarterback in the NFL. Stop looking at stats because obviously Carson Wentz isn't going to have the best stats if he's throwing the scrubs at wide receiver. Obviously, stop. A lot of you guys got to stop judging people based on stats. Go back and watch the game. Common sense will tell you that if a guy is able to win with a bang up off the line that wasn't great due to injuries and a wide receiving core that was really terrible that got depleted because of injuries, and your quarterback is still able to overcome that and get you to the playoffs, what does that tell you? So stop relying on stats. For, you know, your way to determine how good a quarterback is. Instead of being lazy and just looking at somebody's numbers, go ahead and watch the film. Watch the tape. If you watch the tape and you watch the film, you will understand that Carson Wentz is a top five quarterback. And what he did last year for Philadelphia, not a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL would have been able to do that. That's like Dak Prescott. Like a lot of people try to say that Dak Prescott is better than Carson Wentz. Dak Prescott was thrown to Amari Cooper, Randall Cobb, and Michael Gallup, had a top five off the line, and had Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield, and still wasn't able to make the playoffs. And don't give me that bull crap that, oh, Dak Prescott was held back by a bad coaching staff. Deshaun Watson has been carrying the Houston Texans and uh, and uh, basically Bill O'Brien on his back ever since he got drafted there. So I don't want to hear that bull crap about a bad coaching staff. Go tell that to Deshaun Watson. So, I mean... Carson Wentz deserves a little bit more respect than what a lot of people and you guys are giving him. Carson Wentz is a top five quarterback in my opinion. And if you don't believe me, go back and watch the games. Which quarterback would you prefer? Would you prefer Dak Prescott, the quarterback who does less with more, or Carson Wentz, the quarterback who does more or less? You tell me. So then you have a pretty good off the line who, although they did lose one of their starting off the linemen and Brandon Brooks ended up replacing him with Jason Peters. They brought him back. Now they're going to be moving him to guard. So this off the line is still going to be really solid, top 10 at best. So then not only that, but you improve the wide receiver position. Like they have so much depth at the wide receiver position is crazy. They may have debatably the fastest wide receiver group in the NFL. Um, you got Deshaun Jackson, you got John Hyde, you got Hightower out of Boise State, you got Jalen Rager out of TCU, then you got your physical guys, you got, you still got your guys like your Alshon Jeffries of the world, you still got your J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, who I still need to see a little bit more of this season, because I was really disappointed by his rookie season, I felt his, his rookie season was really underwhelming, he still has a lot that he has to prove, so I mean, they have a lot of depth at the wide receiver position. So, I mean, if one guy goes down, they're going to have a guy who can be able to step up and contribute right away. Then you still have Zach Ertz. So, I mean, this is a Philadelphia Eagles team that is really loaded. I think this is one of the best teams in the NFL from a talent standpoint. Then you still have Doug Peterson. And this coaching staff is one of the best coaching staffs in the NFL. They also, you got to give them a lot of credit as well for the fact that how they were able to overcome as many injuries have they been able to overcome. Not just last season, but it seems like every year they find a way to, you know, although their team is, Half their team is on injury reserve. They still find a way to make it to the playoffs year in and year out, despite injuries to marquee players. So, I mean, a lot of respect. Hats off to the Philadelphia Eagles coaching staff. But a big reason why I'm choosing Philadelphia to win the division is because um, a lot of teams in this division have new coaching staffs. You got the Washington football team. They got Ron Rivera. They're going to be implementing a new system. You're going to also have the New York Giants. They're going to be implementing a new system. You also got the Dallas Cowboys. Mark McCarthy, they're going to be implementing a new system. So, I mean, you got every team in your division 
is going to be learning a new system, a new offense, and with the shortened offseason that we have and not really having a lot of time on the field to learn the playbook and things like that, that is going to be a big advantage to Philadelphia, a team that was able to bring guys in and isn't really going through a coaching change or anything like that. So basically, a lot of these guys already know the playbook already. So, I mean, they have a big advantage compared to the other three teams in the division that have made coaching changes, having to learn a new system. So that's going to be a really big benefit to the Philadelphia Eagles. So all in all, I'm taking Philadelphia to win the NFC East this season. And I don't really think it should be all that much of a debate. Like, you can say Dallas can win it. Because Dallas does have a really good roster, but at the end of the day, like, they're still going to be learning a new system. I believe the Dallas Cowboys are going to make it to the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to win the division. So, I'm going to take the Philadelphia Eagles to win the NFC East this season. That's going to be my prediction. Put some respect on Carson Wentz's name, man. Like, I'm so tired of seeing people. Like, when I put Carson Wentz as a top five quarterback, a lot of people debate that. Like, they say Carson Wentz isn't better than Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers. Like, Carson Wentz was able to take the Philadelphia Eagles to plus with a lackluster offensive line that was banged up due to injuries and his best wide receiver being Greg Ward Jr. His best target was Zach Ertz. And Zach Ertz is one of the best tight ends in the NFL, but at the end of the day, having one great weapon compared to what guys like Patrick Mahomes and who else, Aaron Rodgers are throwing to, Carson Wentz ain't have no Devontae Adams. He didn't have a Michael Thomas. So the guys who you guys consider top 10 quarterbacks have more talent to work with than what Carson Wentz had to work with. So put some respect on Carson Wentz's name. I'm taking Philadelphia to win this division this upcoming NFL season. The AFC South is a division I think is really between two teams. The Indianapolis Colts and the Tennessee Titans. And I'm going to take the Tennessee Titans to win the AFC South. And I think that a lot of people have a big misconception about the Tennessee Titans. A lot of people believe, well, I won't say a lot of people, but some people believe that the Tennessee Titans 2019 season was a fluke. They feel like Tennessee just had an incredible Cinderella run when they were able to make that quarterback change, put in Ryan Tannehill over Marks Mariota, and they were able to make that Cinderella run, winning out, getting into the playoffs. Then they go in the playoffs, wild card weekend, on the road, upset the Patriots in Foxborough. Then the following week, they upset the Baltimore Ravens in the divisional round, which the Baltimore Ravens were the team who everybody was picking to win the Super Bowl before the playoffs even started. Then they knocked them out. Then they lose to the Kansas City Chiefs in the conference championship game. So, the Tennessee Titans had a really incredible run in 2019. And I don't think the 2019 season for the Titans was a fluke. Like, I think a lot of people have, like, a big misconception about that Tennessee Titans team. Like, the Tennessee Titans, one reason that I love watching the Titans is because they are a gritty team. This is a team that every week you can never count out because Tennessee is one of those teams that embraces being the underdog. They embrace people not giving them a chance to win games against, like, for example, a lot of people didn't give them a chance to beat the New England Patriots. I said that they had a good chance to beat the New England Patriots. I even said that they had a good chance to beat the Baltimore Ravens as well. And a lot of people laughed at me. They said those games weren't going to be close, that they were going to be blowouts, and the games weren't even going to be close. And Ravens fans were getting on my tail saying how I was overrating the Tennessee Titans, blah, blah, blah. Then come around, and they got smacked in the mouth. And that's what the Tennessee Titans are. That's why I love the Tennessee Titans so much. Like, the Tennessee Titans, they don't have a lot of Pro Bowl players on their roster. They only have, like, a few. One of those guys off the top of my head I can think of is Kevin Byard. But other than that, like, they don't really have a lot of big names on their team other than Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown and Kevin Byard, the guys who we all know about. But, I mean, one thing that I love about the Tennessee Titans is that they have identity. And under Mike Vrabel, they have embraced that. They embrace the underdog mentality. If there's one team that I will always bet on, if I have to bet on the underdog, I will always bet on the Tennessee Titans if they are the underdog 75% of the time because they are one of the teams that simply just embraces being the underdog role. 
They just embraced the role, which is why I wasn't shocked that they went on the road and beat the New England Patriots in Foxborough. I wasn't surprised that they went on the road and beat the Baltimore Ravens because that's just what the Tennessee Titans are. They have our identity, and I think having our identity is really important. When you know what you are, and you know what you're capable of doing, and you know your strengths, and you know your weaknesses... I think that is a very important thing because a lot of NFL teams don't really know what kind of team they are until about the midway point of the NFL season. And I think that's a really big key factor of why the Tennessee Titans are so successful. Like, last season wasn't the first time the Tennessee Titans were able to, you know, pull off a lot of upsets. Like, the Tennessee Titans have always been a gritty team for, like, the last four, three seasons. So, the Tennessee Titans, I believe, in 2020, not only are they going to win the division, but I believe that they have a really good chance of winning the Super Bowl. Now, do they have, like, the same odds as the Baltimore Ravens and the 49ers and the Bucks to win the Super Bowl? No, but I think they are a dark horse Super Bowl contender heading into this season. The defensive line, I think, is really good, especially Jeffrey Simmons. Now, for those of you guys who don't know about Jeffrey Simmons, Jeffrey Simmons is a guy who... Didn't really get a lot of action because he kind of missed a couple of games. Then he kind of didn't really get the start out, like getting a lot of snaps because he kind of had to condition himself and things like that and get back into football shape. But boy, in the playoffs, Jeffrey Simmons was an absolute animal. And this season, Jeffrey Simmons is going to become a household name. Jeffrey Simmons, mark my words, is going to be a breakout player this upcoming NFL season. He reminds me so much of Ndonkin Sue, but a little bit more faster. Like, he plays with a certain amount of physicality and attitude, and that just goes with the personality of the whole entire Tennessee Titans team that I was referring to at the start of this video. They're gritty. They're tough. They're physical. I like watching Tennessee play. A lot of people don't like Tennessee playing or like watching the Tennessee Titans play because they're not flashy. But me, I love the way Tennessee plays football. So that defensive line with Jeffrey Simmons, that's going to be something serious. You also got a pretty underrated secondary headlined by Kevin Byard and Adoree Jackson. So defense is going to be fairly good. Then offensively. Well, what is Tennessee going to do offensively? Well, what they did last season. Run the football with Derrick Henry. Play action over the top with Ryan Tannehill to A.J. Brown. You also got Corey Davis as well. So, I mean, look. I really think that a lot of people are really sleeping on the Tennessee Titans. Like, a lot of people keep saying the Colts are going to win the division. Listen, the Colts have a really good team themselves. I think the Colts will make it to the playoffs. But I'm not choosing them to win this division. Like, listen. Phillip Rivers... Didn't really look all that great versus the L.A. Chargers. I think Phillip Rivers is starting to regress. Now, I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, JT, he's with Frank Wright. Frank Wright and Phillip Rivers have a lot of, you know, history with each other and things like that. They have a good off the line and things like that. I understand that. But I still believe that the Tennessee Titans are a better team than the Indianapolis Colts. Well, yeah. So, I mean... I'm choosing the Titans to win this division. This division isn't really going to be all that hard. It's really just a two-team race. And the Jacksonville Jaguars, everybody's expecting them to be the team that tanks for Trevor Lawrence. I don't think they're going to necessarily tank for Trevor Lawrence. But I don't think they're going to be all that great. The Houston Texans, I think this is finally the year that they finally get exposed. And this is, might be the year that Deshaun Watson may not be able to carry the Houston Texans on his back this season like he has been able to do in the past. Because the reason why Houston has dominated this division the way they have over the last few seasons has been because it really hasn't been a lot of competition. The Colts were down last season once Andrew Luck retired. Then you also have the Jacksonville Jaguars who, aside from making it to the AFC Championship game in 2017, have pretty much been irrelevant. Then, you know, the Tennessee Titans had kind of been up and down. But, I mean, look. This division now, I think, is as good as it is, as it has been over the last few seasons. Because now you have 
the Indianapolis Colts, you had the Tennessee Titans. So, I mean, I think those are probably the two picks. And I want to get mad for a lot of people say that the Colts are going to win the division. You make a good argument for the Colts. You bring in DeForest Buckner. You improve. You basically fill the holes of all the needs that you had. So, I mean, you can make a good argument for the Colts. But I really like the Tennessee Titans, man. Like, I think the Tennessee Titans are going to win this division. I think the Colts finish up in second place. I'm not really high on the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm not high on the Houston Texans. Like, I think the Houston Texans are just too overly reliant on the Sean Watson, and I think they're going to end up falling flat on their face, and it's going to come back to haunt them by not trying to improve the offensive line, not trying to improve the secondary, and I think this is the year that the Texans finally get exposed, and they miss the playoffs, so I'm taking Tennessee to win the AFC South, I like the personality of Tennessee, like, I like that Tennessee knows what they are as a football team, they play to their strength, they don't try to do too much, and they embrace the underdog mentality, and I think that a lot of people are really sleeping on the Tennessee Titans this year. When you talk about dark horse Super Bowl teams, teams that could come out of nowhere and win the Super Bowl, you definitely have to put the Tennessee Titans in that category. So I'm taking Tennessee to win this division. Then they had the best coaching staff, and I think they had the best roster in this division. I like Derrick Henry to still have a very good season. I think he's most likely going to end up leading the NFL in rushing this se- in rushing yards this season. I think Ryan Tannehill, he's going to be able to you know step in and produce. The Tennessee Titans don't need Ryan Tannehill to be a top ten or lead quarterback they just need Ryan Tannehill to win games and get the job done which is what he was able to do last season which is why he was able to get that long-term contract extension Ryan Tannehill during his days with Miami was necessarily never really bad in my opinion like I always looked at Ryan Tannehill as a solid quarterback so I like Tennessee to win the AFC South this year that's who I'm choosing to win this division The AFC West is a division that shouldn't really be all that hard to predict who's going to end up winning. I think the Kansas City Chiefs end up winning the AFC West this year. Now, the AFC West is going to be one of the more competitive divisions, if not the most competitive division in the NFL because the Denver Broncos have improved a lot. The Los Angeles Chargers, I think they're going to be pretty good. I think a lot of people are really sleeping on the Los Angeles Chargers this year. And also the Las Vegas Raiders as well. They're going to be pretty competitive. But I'm still rocking with the Kansas City Chiefs to win this division. The Kansas City Chiefs still, in my opinion, they have the best team. They still have the best coaching staff in this division, the best quarterback. And some people can say that the Chiefs are going to take a step back defensively. You can make that argument because some people are going to be like, oh, look at the Kansas City Chiefs lost on defense. But they do get Juan Thornhill back. Now, for those of you guys who don't remember Juan Thornhill, Juan Thornhill is like one of the more productive young players that we had in the NFL as a rookie. And he ended up suffering and having his season cut short due to an injury. So now he's going to be coming back fully healthy. I think the Kansas City Chiefs, the linebacking core is pretty good. And then up front, you're going to have Frank Clark. You're going to have Chris Jones. So you're going to be able to get after the passer. You still got the Honey Badger, Tyran Matthew. So, I mean, you still have a pretty good defense. Now, would this defense be top 10, top 5? No, it's not going to be top 5. Would it be top 15? Maybe, or I I think at worst, this Kansas City Chiefs defense will be top 20. But I don't think this Kansas City Chiefs defense is going to have that big of a drop-off. Now, offensively, I mean, they basically have the same offense that they had last season. The only difference is that Claude Edwards-Hilaire is going to end up being the RB1 in Kansas City, the rookie out of LSU who the Kansas City Chiefs took in the first round of this past year's NFL draft. I think Claude Edwards-Hilaire is going to have a pretty good impact when it comes to this Kansas City Chiefs offense not only just run the football but what he's able to do in a passing game he's also very hard to bring it down like he kind of has like the archetype of like a Maurice Jones Drew like he's kind of like small in stature but he's kind of like he's kind of a little bit big even though he's undersized, well, I want to say he's undersized. It's not, it's not really like a undersized thing for a half-back position. But although he's a little bit short, he's still like very broad, and he's kind of big for his size as well. So I think that he reminds me a lot of Maurice Jones Drew. I think he may be a better pass catcher out of the backfield than Maurice Jones Drew. But I mean, that's who Clyde Edwards-Helaire reminds me a lot of because when you get in the open field, it's really hard to bring down Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Man, he's like kind of like. 
He's like really stoutly built, man. Like although he's kind of short, he's not really that tall. Like he's kind of bulky, man. So he's really hard to bring down in the open field. So Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, man, I think he could be a candidate in the finalist for Offensive Rookie of the Year this year. Then you still have one of the best wide receiving cores in the NFL. You got Tyreek Hill. You got Miko Hardman, who a lot of people feel can have a breakout year. You got Sammy Watkins. You got Demarcus Robinson. You got Travis Kelsey, who is probably the best tight end in the NFL. You still have have a pretty solid off the line. The off the line may be a little bit of a concern. That's where a lot of the concern lies with this Kansas City Chiefs offense. You still got Andy Reid. You got Eric Bellinami, who probably this is going to be his last year calling plays for the Kansas City Chiefs because I believe that he should have a head coaching gig next season. And if Eric Bellinami is still the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs in 2021 and he doesn't get a head coaching job, then I think it may be a, something wrong with the NFL not hiring Eric Bellinami, man, because he led a really prominent Kansas City Chiefs offense. He's a big reason for Patrick Mahomes' rise to dominance in the NFL. Then we also got to talk about Patrick Mahomes, man. Like, Patrick Mahomes just signed his mega extension, his 10-year, like, half-a-billion-dollar deal, man. So the Kansas City Chiefs, I think, are going to win this division, but I don't think it's going to be easy. I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk. Like, I think they are going to get in some really tight some um tightly contested games this year in this division. Like, the Ray are going to be very solid. The Denver Broncos, I already told you guys, you guys, if you guys have been watching the channel for like the last three, four months or the whole entire offseason, you know, I've been really high on the Denver Broncos, especially Drew Locke. What Drew Locke was able to do in his like first five starts for the Denver Broncos is a lot to, you know, is he showed me a lot of promise in the first five games. So I'm trusting Drew Locke this year. I think Drew Locke could be a dark horse candidate for NFL MVP. Then you got the Los Angeles Chargers. I already made a video about the Los Angeles Chargers last week talking about how you shouldn't sleep on the Los Angeles Chargers. Like, just because Tyrod Taylor is the more flashy option at the quarterback position, they have a really solid team around them. The offensive line should be improved. The wide receiving position is pretty good. You got Mike Williams. You got Keenan Allen there. You also got Hunter Henry at tight end. Then you got Austin Eckler in the backfield at halfback who can also catch the ball at the backfield as well. Kind of like a similar version of Chris McCaffrey. Then the defense. I already said this earlier that the Chargers on paper had the best defense in the NFL. You got Linver Joseph. You also got Darren James. You're going to have Nazir Alley or Rayshon Jenkins at the safety spot. Then you also got Casey Hayward. You got Desmond King. You also got Chris Harris Jr., who is one of the more underrated cornerbacks in the NFL from this past decade. So, I mean, this division... I believe Kansas City will win, but I don't think it's going to come easy. Like, I think they're going to have some really tightly contested games. I think they're going to get pushed a little bit more than what they have been able to do in the last couple of seasons because the AFC West, ever since the Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl in 2015, it hasn't quietly been the same. But now, this division is going to be really competitive. I think the Denver Broncos, I think they are back. I think they're going to be this year's Buffalo Bills team from last season. I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. The Chargers, the Raiders so I mean I'm taking Kansas City to win this division I think it's going to be a little bit tough for them compared to what how easy this division has been to win the last couple of years because this division has been really down man like the this division has kind of went downhill like this division used to be really competitive back in 2013-2014 but after the Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl like it, it pretty much has been Kansas City and then everybody else. So I'm really excited about watching the AFC West this year. This AFC West division, man, it, it's going to be really entertaining to watch. Like, this may be the more competitive division in all of the NFL. Like, everybody's talking about the NFC West with the 49ers, the Seahawks, the Rams, the Cardinals. Everybody's talking about the AFC North, Ravens, Steelers, Browns, Bengals are going to be a little bit competitive. But this division is also going to be in the mix for that title of who has the toughest division in the NFL. So, I mean, Kansas City is going to win this one. I think they're going, I think they have a good chance to repeat as Super Bowl champions. They're looking to become the next dynasty, looking to become the next New England Patriots. But, I mean, when you talk about the New England Patriots, the New England Patriots were in the AFC East division that pretty much was terrible for the whole entire Patriots reign of terror on the NFL. So it's going to be a little bit harder for the Kansas City Chiefs to become the dynasty that the Patriots were, given how tough their division is going to be. The Broncos are trending up. I really like the direction that the Chargers could be heading in. The Las Vegas Raiders, we don't really know how that could all unfold and things like that. But I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs, 
Pencil me in for having the Chiefs winning this division. If the Kansas City Chiefs don't win the AFC West, I would be extremely shocked. So if there was a division that I felt more confident in, it would have to be the Kansas City Chiefs winning the AFC West. So I'm taking Kansas City to win the AFC West this year. The last division that we have is the AFC North. For the AFC North, I'm picking the Baltimore Ravens to win the division. As much as it pains me to do that as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, I'm not biased. I, If you guys have been watching this channel for going on two years, you will know that I pride this channel on making unbiased takes. And even though I'm a Steelers fan and I don't like the Ravens, I have to show them respect and I have to be honest. I believe that the Ravens will win the AFC North this year. The Baltimore Ravens... They got better. Now, they lost Marshall Yonder, which is going to be a pretty solid loss because Marshall Yonder is not only a future Hall of Famer, but he's one of the best to ever play the game. So that's going to be a pretty significant loss. It doesn't matter who ends up stepping in to fill those shoes. Like, is you're not going to get the same production at that position that you had with Marshall Yonder. Anytime you lose a future Hall of Famer, you're going to take a little bit of a step back. But the Ravens off the line is still going to be amongst the best in the NFL. I'm not expecting the Ravens offense to take a step back like I still think the Ravens are going to have one of the best offenses in the NFL people keep saying that people are going to have Lamar Jackson his Baltimore Ravens offense figured out and like I've been saying all offseason you guys who keep saying that you guys act like Lamar Jackson is still going to be the same quarterback that he was in 2019 Lamar Jackson is going to be better than what he was in 2019 and that's crazy because you know a lot of you guys can say Lamar Jackson really reached his peak that's not his peak he's close to reaching his peak but Lamar Jackson still has a lot of growth to make as a passer and just because you know Defensive coordinators are going to be game planning to stop the Baltimore Ravens offense, and they're going to have offseason to prepare for it. Just because you are watching film, you're preparing for it, doesn't mean you're going to be able to stop it. Bill Belichick, I'm pretty sure Bill Belichick was game planning all night and all week trying to figure out ways to stop the Baltimore Ravens offense, and even he couldn't stop it. Sometimes you just don't have the personnel to stop something, and just because you know you have a great game plan, you got to have the players that's going to be able to go out there and execute that game plan. And a lot of teams aren't going to be able to stop this Ravens offensive attack, especially with the fact that they added J.K. Dobbins, which they were already pretty low that halfback. Like, before they picked up J.K. Dobbins, they had Gus Edwards and you had Justin Hill on top of having Mark Ingram. So you go ahead and you add in J.K. Dobbins there. So now you got a really good rotation there. So you're going to have Mark Ingram, who's also going to beat you down. And you basically got Mark Ingram 2.0 and J.K. Dobbins, who is basically Mark Ingram. He's just a lot younger. So... The Ravens are going to be a tough outing for any defense this year. If you want to beat the Baltimore Ravens, you got to not only have a good game plan, you got to set the edge, and you also have to be able to have a lot of depth on your defensive line. Like, you got to be able to constantly be able to rotate guys in, in and out of the game, and keep guys fresh because you leave guys and you leave your defensive line in the whole entire game against Baltimore, not only are you going to get tired and you're going to get gassed, but you're going to get outmatched and you're going to get out physical because the Baltimore Ravens are a very physical football team. Then you're going to have Marquise Brown on the outside who people feel should have a breakout season. A lot of Ravens fans are really excited about what Hollywood Brown can do for them this season. I think he's a guy who will probably have like a 1,200, 1,400-yard season depending on, you know, the production that he has there and if he's able to stay healthy. And he also played injured as well. So I'm interested to see what Marquise Brown does this year. You got Mark Andrews there. You got rid of Hayden Hurst. And it's basically another mystery to see who's going to step up as the wide receiver two in Baltimore. A lot of people are feeling it can be Miles Boykin, but I think it can be anybody who steps up and uh, contributes at that second wide receiver spot for the Ravens this year. So, I mean, I don't think the Ravens offense is going to take that much of a step back. And the only reason people, like, here's the only logical explanation people keep saying to me about the Ravens offense falling off. When I ask people, I'd be like, man, why do you think the Ravens offense is going to take a step back? Man, look at Lamar Jackson, man. Lamar Jackson is going to get injured. He's going to be the next RG3. Like, Lamar Jackson is going on year three of his NFL career, and he has yet to miss a single game that he's been a starter in 
Durant due to an injury. He's never had any nagging injuries. I haven't seen nothing about Lamar Jackson battling any type of injury. Even back to his days in college, he played in nearly, he played in basically every single game in college, never had injury problems in college. So I find it ironic how RG3 was injury played during his time in Baylor. And then when he came to the NFL, he was injury prone. But yet you guys are going to try to say that Lamar Jackson is going to be injury prone, even though he has never missed a single game of football. He's never missed a single game in the NFL as of right now. He's never missed a single game due to injury in college football. So, I mean, I find it crazy how a lot of you guys are going to compare Lamar Jackson to RG3 when RG3 already had injury concerns coming out of the University of Baylor compared to Lamar Jackson being perfectly healthy. Like, that makes no sense to me. But I guess everybody in the comment section on YouTube that thinks Lamar Jackson is going to be injury prone, I guess everybody on YouTube is doctors and everybody has their doctor's degree and everybody has a PhD and knowing the human body and things like that. So, Lamar Jackson is going to be perfectly fine until Lamar Jackson actually gets injured that's when I have my concerns you just can't predict injuries like how are you going to say a guy's going to get injured when they've never had an injury in all their years playing football but yet all of a sudden they're going to become injury prone but that's just the explanation people use when it comes to Lamar Jackson Lamar Jackson the more he progresses as a passer, the less he's going to be running with the football because since he'll be so much developed as a passer, he won't have to rely on his legs. Then you got Greg Roman, who is going into his second year as the offensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. So it's going to be interesting to monitor Lamar Jackson's growth and development under Greg Roman as he comes back and returns as the Ravens play caller this year. And on the defense side of the football, I mean, you got even better on the defense side of the ball. Like, I don't think they lost anybody who was going to be like a pretty big loss you also improve at the linebacker position. You get Patrick Queen, who I felt was one of who I mocked to go to the Baltimore Ravens. I wasn't surprised. Like, if Patrick Queen was there at the Ravens pick, they were going to go ahead and draft him. So you pick up Patrick Queen. You improve the linebacker position. Then you basically trade for Calais Campbell in a one-sided trade with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So now you got Calais Campbell, Matthew Judon, if he doesn't get traded. So you also got Jalen Ferguson, who I think will have a breakout year as well. Then you also, you still probably got one of the best secondaries in the NFL is either them or the New England Patriots. You got Marlon Humphrey. You got Earl Thomas back there. You also have Chuck Clark as well. You got Marcus Peters, who was an all-pro as well. So, I mean, this is a Baltimore Ravens team that got better. And I'm not talking about just a tad bit better. I'm talking about significantly better. Like, they're going to be really good up front. And the Steelers, I think the Steelers have a chance to win this division. It just all depends on how things unfold. But I think the Steelers also, you can't count them out. The Browns, I think the Browns, I don't really know how I feel about the Browns. Like, the Browns should be a player team but again we've been saying this about the Browns for the last two three seasons about how the Browns should make it to the playoffs so I mean the Baltimore Ravens are my prediction to win the AFC North and a lot of people, I don't really think I'm going to get a lot of backlash. Like, I know I'm a Steelers fan. I know some Steelers fans going to be like, man, you're a freaking sellout, man. You're a freaking Steelers fan. Are you going to choose the Baltimore freaking Ravens? Like, come on, bro. Like, I pride this channel on being unbiased. Like, yes, I hate the Ravens and things like that. And I want the Ravens to go on 16 more than anybody. But again, I'm not a hater. And I'm not going to let my love for my favorite team cloud my judgment. I'm not going to be biased. I, if the Baltimore Ravens are going to win the division, the Baltimore Ravens are going to win the division. Like, some people just got to understand like sometimes teams in the division like it's just their time the Steelers had their time when they were the team to be in the AFC North for like the last four or five seasons now it's the Baltimore Ravens turn to be the team to beat they are the team to beat in the AFC North now Pittsburgh is still going to be a really good team I still love my Steelers I'm black and gold till I die I bleed black and gold and I still want the Steelers to win the AFC North. But if I'm being realistic, I think the Ravens have all the tools to win this division. And I think the Ravens are going to win the division. Now, will the Steelers make the playoffs? Yes, they will. Can the Browns make the playoffs? I think they have a good chance of making it to the playoffs. So, I mean, I'm choosing the, the Baltimore Ravens to win this division. I think Pittsburgh could play the Baltimore Ravens pretty closely. But I'm still siding with the Ravens. So, let me know what you guys think. And this is it for episode nine of the JT Sports Podcast. Make sure if you guys are listening to this on Apple or Spotify that you go ahead and you leave a five-star review on the podcast. Make sure you go ahead and you share this podcast on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter with your friends, family, co-workers, acquaintances, whoever is interested in watching sports. Make sure that you go ahead and share this video. Also make sure if you're listening to this on the audio version that you go ahead and subscribe to my YouTube channel, which is JT 
JT Sports. Make sure to follow all my social media platforms. My Instagram, my Twitter is both JT Sports underscore. And thank you guys for watching and listening.